Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. I'm Jordana Levine and welcome back to another episode of the Inspired Table podcast. I'm so excited for you to hear this week's episode because it's with my beautiful and dear friend, Cassie Mendoza-Jones. She has just released her second book, It's All Good. That's the title of the book, not my critique of it. Um, And you might remember Cassie from season one of the podcast. I think it was episode three, but you'll have to have a look through the back catalog where we discussed comparison. Very interesting episode. One of the most listened to, in fact. Um, Cass's business bio reads like this. Kinesiologist, business alignment coach, naturopath, writer, speaker, and author of two Hay House books. But I hang out with Cass on a personal level, and so I thought you might like to hear her friendship bio. It reads like this. Generous, kind, hilarious, intelligent, the greatest chai companion. Oh, and she's really good at recommending podcasts. Oh, and if you like your British crime drama like I do, she's got some really good Netflix recommendations. In this episode, we discuss in detail the themes in her new book, It's All Good, including how to surrender, trust, find resilience, and pick ourselves up after failure and disappointment. Cassie shares her own experiences with failure and how this book sprung from a gap in the self-help market. You see, this book was what she needed to read to help get her through an experience I'm sure each and every one of you can relate to. I gained so much from this chat with my friend and I hope that you gain a lot of insight too and enjoy this episode with the beautiful Cassie Mendoza-Jones. So Cass, I'm not going to introduce you like I would usually do at the beginning of a podcast because we already have one of those podcasts where you told us all about you. So if people don't know who Cassie Mendoza-Jones is, my suggestion is that they go right back to the beginning of this podcast, season one. I believe it's episode three, but I will confirm that in the show notes Mm -hmm. and get a bit of a background on Miss Cassie Mendoza-Jones and then come back and listen to this episode. 
Yes. Yeah. So Cass, I thought um, because we spend so much time together and (laughs) we know each other pretty well, I thought maybe I'd start with something that you don't know that I do concerning you. Does that freak you out when I say that? (laughs) No. Okay. I'm interested to know what this is. So (laughs) when when we're not together and I'm talking Mm. about you in the Mm. nicest way possible, yeah. I always refer to you in with your full name, Cassie Mendoza Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that when I sign into yoga class every time someone's like, That sounds like a famous name and I'm I'm thinking you're just thinking of Catherine Zeta Jones, but thanks. I'll oh, take it. Totally. I'd never made that connection yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Cassie Mendoza Jones. Yes, I very rarely call <laughs> you just Cassie. <laughs> You know, there's, uh, do you have people like that in your life where you use their full name? I probably do, but I can't think of someone now, but I'm sure I do. Mm. I'm sure I do. I had, I had a friend growing up. Um, his name was Ollie, and we always called him Ollie Lowing. Like, nobody ever called him <laughs> just Ollie. <laughs> I think it's very frustrating so for the person. But anyway, <laughs> enough about that. That was my icebreaker to get us into this conversation. Loved it. <laughs> So you have a new book coming out, my friend. Yeah. Um, why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about it? Sure. So it's called It's All Good, How to Trust and Surrender to the Bigger Plan. And it will help. So I'll tell you the backstory first, and then we can dive into more of it. But okay. it came through from a business, in air quotes, failure that I later realized was not a failure at all but I had been working on a project for a year I'd put everything that I had into it in terms of energy and time and resources and money Uh, and I had invested by the end I think it was about thirty thousand dollars in this project and I launched it and it was even the week of the launch where things just felt a little bit off with it and I couldn't put my finger on it and later I realized that I had the highest of highest of highest expectations of myself and of this project um, and where I thought that it would you know take me or what it would bring in for me and it led me down this track of really having to pick myself up from what I had at the time perceived as I said to be a failure that really wasn't find my sense of flow and momentum again and forgive myself for all the things that I at the time thought that I should have or could have or would have done uh, like that kind of self beration where I just uh, you just kind of can't see the woods for the trees and you can't see that higher perspective that really helps you see that everything you're going through has a higher purpose and a deeper meaning and that's how the book came about I mean that's the very short story but yeah that's it's all good <laughs> and just so everybody knows, you have to say, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not even it. How is it? It's all good. I, you got to change the, it's all good. Cass is like, shut up. It's just, it's all good. <laughs> no, you can say it in any and every, but yeah, people do say it like, and it's so funny now that it's the book title, but now that I notice how often people say it when they're chatting. Yes. And now every time a friend says it, if I like just, you know, in their in their sentence they pause and they laugh with me like they it's really funny because you say it often without actually realizing it I know well it's nice I mean I guess the idea of the title is that it's some sort of validation right yeah and it's and it's it's the validation 
more from within that you firstly it's the permission to trust that you are on the right path even if you feel like you're not and I really deeply believe that we are always on our right path because if we ever felt like we were coming off it we would we actually course correct to come back on uh, and even if you feel like you're on the wrong path that's still the right path for where you need to go uh, you know, for, for who you need to become uh, and the it's all good is also really about surrendering to that bigger plan and trusting yourself and trusting the universe and having that faith and strength and resilience within yourself to know that even if there are times where you feel like you don't, it, like it's not all good, that really what you're doing is helping yourself move forward in the best way, even if you can't see the end yet, even if you can't see what that outcome looks like. It's having the the, the faith and the trust that it'll all work out for your highest good. Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there that I want to kind of pick apart, but um, earlier you said that a big part of overcoming that failure or getting through that failure in inverted commas was to release expectation. So what, I mean, how, how does one do that? Should we never have, should we never expect anything? Should we not have expectations for ourselves? Yeah. So good question. So for me, what I have found is that so there's two kinds. There's the expectations that are very, very clear, and sometimes they're even just kind of um, veiled in goals. So we have we set a goal for what we want to be working, for what we are working towards, or what we want to be receiving. And then sometimes we actually just expect that to happen because we've set the goal for it to happen. And that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. It's just that we can have what I like to say and what I say in the book is to set the goal and then there's a little asterisk on the end of the goal that says or something better Mm. and the or something better is it might be that the goal exceeds those expectations that you have but it also might be that you don't reach or hit that goal in the way that you thought that you were going to and that however that situation plays out is the or something better so it's it's releasing the expectations that it has to be the way you have you know, mentally thought it through that that really controlled slash sometimes micromanaged view that we have where things have to go our way or mm-hmm. else. So it's really releasing that expectation that it's going to go the way you want it to because there is so much beauty that unfolds when we release that. Uh, and for me, I had to get really clear on my expectations because I I found that I sometimes had these secret hidden expectations so I I thought I didn't have expectations and then I wouldn't reach these hidden expectations and that's when I'd realized that I had really excuse me that's when I'd realized that I had you know that I had these expectations that were holding me back and always making me feel like I wasn't doing enough or that I hadn't got to where I wanted to go Mm. and I guess on that note we can also take on board the expectations of people around us as our own expectations totally and we can do that and we can also not again not realize that we're taking it on and then it can feel really heavy to release that because we feel like we might owe it to someone else instead of doing what really works for us Okay, so then with that in mind, how do we, and I guess it's all in the book that you'll all buy and read, but how does one (laughs) begin to release expectation? So for me, what I did coming out of this experience was, well, firstly, I became really fearful to set goals because I thought that I would have these expectations around them that would leave me feeling like I'd failed again. So I think the first thing is that if you are someone who has, Natu- and I say naturally, but 
it's I still think a learned thing to have really high expectations of yourself is to ask yourself which part of you is the part that has those high expectations it's not your highest self it's not the calm grounded version of you it's the version that might worry about things or overthink or it's the it's the inner perfectionist who thinks that if you don't reach the, that pinnacle of the mountain like the top top goal that things aren't working for you that things aren't flowing so what I first did was actually let myself set goals again and and release the pressure from myself as to whether I hit those goals or not and release the pressure over what I thought the outcome should be. So I would start to set a goal and, and in the beginning I set much lower goals for things. So if we look at it from the lens of my business, instead of saying, you know, I make – I want to invite 20 people into this course that I'm running. I would say I'm going to invite, I want to invite five people. And it might sound like, I mean, the numbers are irrelevant. It's more just like I dropped, I dropped the goal so that it felt like something that was really easy. And it's almost like I gave myself baby steps. You know, when you give yourself like like little breadcrumbs that I, I felt like I was reaching easier goals instead of having really high expectations. But I also always allowed it to be that or something better and trusting that, whatever came through from working towards something was in my high school, even if, as I said, like I couldn't see the end result yet. And even if I consciously wanted a different result, it's it's in welcoming in the result that does come or whatever it is that does come through to you and trusting that that is what you need most right now. Yeah. And I guess also when you start to, I mean, expectations can consume you when you get so mm-hmm. bogged down in the the how, the what, the when, the why, the where, you start to sort yeah. of become paralyzed and you don't move forward at all, which kind of defeats no. the point of setting the goals in the first place, right? Yes, Yeah. exactly. I, I really think it's the how that we get so caught up with because especially if we're picking ourselves up after failure, we ca- sometimes can't envision how we will get out of it or – and then again, the when, like when will things get better? What will it look like? How, yeah. how will I do this? And part of so much of trusting is actually just trusting that the how will take care of itself. And that's the part that we sometimes often want to control and like plan and schedule. And we can take action around allowing that in and we can definitely take aligned action to draw it in and to work towards what we want. But we can't always see the how. And I find that when we let go of the how, uh, we can actually allow ourselves to be surprised and lifted up Mm. by what is flowing to us instead of being trapped by those expectations that we have around it. Yeah, I agree. I think trusting, though, is one of the hardest things to be able to teach people. Would you agree with that statement? Yes. So we we run into this roadblock at Lunar Nights a lot because when you're teaching people about manifestation, trust is a huge component of it. And that's the thing that yeah. people get stuck on. So when you try and explain how to trust, it's very hard to put in point yeah. form. And there's a few different totally. ways, yeah, that I find that people look at it. So some are people like some people are like, oh, is it just blind faith in something? And I'm like, well, no, not really. Um, you know, is it about using your intuition? Yeah, kind of a little bit. Um, and then I guess another way that people look at it is this kind of like arrogance that, oh, well, everything's just going to work out for me because I trust yeah. that well, you know? So how yes. would you kind of, how would you um, maybe explain the idea of trusting and some actionable steps that people could try? 
Mm. I know that's tricky. There's a story in the book, um, and it's it's in the chapter called The Pilot and the Jelly, and it is about a pilot. Oh, my God, that's so weird. I just opened up to it. <gasps> Where is it? Can I read that's along? That's trusty. Yes, page 179. Okay. <laughs> Can I read along? <laughs> okay, so should I just read this bit quickly? It's yeah, just a paragraph. please, please. Okay, so it's chapter 28, The Pilot and the Jelly. So a while ago, I went through a period of feeling really nervous during turbulence while flying. I would grip Nick's hand, so Nick's my husband, shut my eyes and try to take deep breaths until we'd flown out of the turbulence. I was speaking to a friend about this and she told me that she'd once had a conversation with a pilot about turbulence and he'd explained it like this. Imagine that you have some fruit set in a cup of jelly And now imagine that you shake the cup. The fruit will shake and wobble, but it won't drop because there's nowhere for it to fall. That's what turbulence is. It feels wobbly and shaky, but you can trust that you won't actually drop. You won't fall because of some turbulence. With this in mind, my fear of turbulence dissipated. In its place, trust arose. And then I talk about trust a little bit more. I mean, that's really the trust. The whole book is about trust, but that's like the trust, trust central chapter. Um... And so for me, trust is, it's that sense of I might shake, I might shake and wobble, I might feel ungrounded, but I can't fall. And I can tell you, and you know, through over all our chai and library dates, that in the lead up to launching this book, I actually re-went through, re-went through, I went through some of the things that I experienced in this book, I went through them again. And it, it all of it has, has been, uh, what's the word? like a reminder of, as you said, embodying it to then teach it. Like you have to live it. And it's in the living that I'm reminded of trusting is something that you embody. It's not something that you can like tick off a list or talk yourself into or um, threaten yourself to do or bargain with the universe. It's really something to embody. And one of the things that I find that helps me the most when I feel like I'm not trusting is well, firstly, when I feel like I'm not trusting, to me, it is always a reminder that I'm too much in my head. And I I am a thinker, like, and I'm sure so many of the people listening to your podcast, it's this, you know, yeah, they, it's thinking, it's overthinking, it's, it's overwhelmed. And part of trusting is reminding yourself that if you're, well, for me, if I'm not trusting, I'm overthinking. And in the overthinking, I'm trying to control. And in the trying to control, I'm not trusting. And so one thing I do is I get back into my body, which I know sounds really, can sound a little bit wishy-washy. Like, but you what do you mean? Right crowd, right? Don't worry. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> it's and, all good. Uh, it's all good. I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, As you are. I love it. <laughs> um, the, and one way is, I mean, there's so many ways, and I'm sure, as you said, like your audience totally know how to do that for themselves. But for me, one thing I do is I actually tap my body, like literally one hand on the on an, one hand on another arm. That makes sense, but you know what I mean. And I tap my body to come back into and to actually feel my skin, and I get out of my head. And it's a relief to get out of your head when you're not trusting, because then you actually begin to trust more, and also you. I talk about in the book as as well, and you might have heard there's like a saying that goes around or a meme on social media, like, your dreams don't work unless you do. And I actually secretly hate that meme or that quote. And Yeah, and I I write in the book and I say, if you – and I say, look, there's nothing wrong with working towards your dreams. Like that's that's so much about it's all good and and the experience I went through to write the book. But 
if you think your dreams don't work unless you do, you're not trusting and you're thinking it's all up to you and it's only up to you and it's always up to you. And that's just not true. That's the opposite of co-creating. That's the opposite of surrendering and trusting. And so I believe our dreams do work even if we don't because we're going to have that balance of working and that masculine and the doing and and then also that balance of the flowing and being and receiving and softening and that's the feminine. So we that's we wrap that together and that's how we can work towards what we desire or something better. Yeah, I agree. And I think the thing with trust that I've found over the years as well is it always works out in your favor. So if it's taking a little while for you to kind of come around to the idea of trusting, just just try it on something really small. What if in this moment I stopped pushing and I just mm. trusted and see what happens? Yeah. And also the way I started to do that during this, in the book I call it the great surrender, but in, in that stage there were times where I did it from the wrong space. So the way you, the space you just described is like a soft, beautiful, you know, like I'm just – this is what I would like to receive right now. This is what I'm putting out there. But I sometimes did it from that space of fine universe. You want to do like, let's do this. <laughs> just like resentful, threatening. Cause I was feeling so frantic and so desperate because things just felt so out of my control. And I very quickly realized that that was not helping me move forward. And it was feeling really like, like, gritty and not wasn't comfortable and I remember a time where I was the time that I felt it really click into place for me was I was at the stage where I felt like I was at the on the verge of of kind of not closing down my business but shutting it something had to shift because it felt like things weren't working for me and I was working out what that might be and a voice popped in my head and it was like, what do you need most right now? And I said, you know what? I would love for a client to purchase my one-on-one program at the full price. And and if that happened, I would be financially, I'd feel financially supported and be financially supported more so than at that time. And that would just help me feel like I'm doing the right thing. And I let it go. And then I went into the kitchen and I was cooking dinner with my husband and I poured a huge glove of wine that I was drinking quickly and I went back to my phone half an hour later and someone had purchased a person I hadn't didn't know before had purchased this one-on-one program at the full price and I was like okay I get it I'm staying like thank you and and it and it's it's not because so part of what I had to learn in the book and through the experience was things don't happen because I show up and work hard for them because that is a slightly a sense of entitlement like it's not and that's part of what I had to learn that just because I do something and I put my all into it doesn't mean I'm going to get everything I want back and potentially that's a millennial thing to learn but also I was gonna say that that would be quite hard for some people to get their head around yes yeah totally um but but when I did it with this experience of that client purchasing I had just done it from a space of this is what I need now and I'm there are no strings attached I'm not I'm not feeling resentful or like angry. I'm just explaining. But even if, let's be honest, if I, if that person hadn't purchased a program, I would still be okay. And I said that in the book, I'm like, you are still okay. Even if things aren't flowing, you are still okay. Even if things aren't working for you, you are still okay. And that's something that, I mean, I was so grateful that that happened because it was part of this process of seeing that I can show up, put, you know, asked to receive something and I actually can receive it 
but I but there's also the side where you might not receive it and then that's also in your highest good like it's still all good even if you don't get what you want (laughs) (laughs) I can't not giggle now too yes I agree I agree (laughs) and I like what you said earlier about finding that balance because you know we you do have to take actionable steps sometimes that is part of creating something but you need to be able to balance that with a sense of trust, an external trust as well, right? Like trust in yourself, but trust yeah. that something greater is working with you. Yeah, and you can also be in that sense of trust and discomfort. You can be in alignment and you can feel discomfort in your life because sometimes the discomfort, discomfort that's a hard word to say when you say it. the discomfort can be something that <laughs> is helping, well, not even sometimes, so often it's helping you grow or it's helping you release something, or it's helping you to see something within yourself. And I used to feel that if I was, if I had any level of discomfort or if elements of my life felt really uncomfortable, that that meant that I wasn't in alignment. So I would try even harder to clear, like clear the way for anything that wasn't working. But actually you can have that beautiful sense of flow and alignment and that discomfort because it's, it's just another way that you're growing and expanding um, and integrating lessons learned so you can have both alignment doesn't mean everything is perfect and I, I used to think that that's what it meant and it it's not what it means well for me anyway no and for me too I couldn't agree with yeah. you more um so let's talk a little bit more about we started talking about it before about validation yeah. why why do we and this is a big question so I don't expect you to have the answer but why do you think <laughs> as humans we get so kind of caught up in external validation. Like why does it feel so goddamn good? Yeah. So I think, well, firstly we are, we are, we love to be in our tribe and to be accepted by our tribe. On some level you seek that external validation to feel part of a tribe and community, which is part of human survival. So I think perhaps in all the striving to do more, have more, be more, we lose touch with the part of ourselves that validates ourselves. So it's potentially about just reversing the ratio. So if 90% of you looks to external validation, it's flipping the switch. So maybe it's just 10% that likes. And also the idea of external validation can, it's almost like when it's imbalanced, it's seeking external validation. But when it's when it's balanced and flowing and positive, it's about being willing and wanting to be seen. And so maybe it's about that. It's about allowing yourself to be seen in a positive, healthy way and not hiding yourself or hiding behind something, but then also really honoring and validating yourself. And you're right. It is so much, it can be so much harder to validate ourselves. Um, And then people can read my first book. You are enough. Shameless plug, but it is really (laughs) about, Trusting that, trusting yourself that you can guide yourself and it might be something that you learn and it's like a, I, I really believe that we are all intuitive and we can all listen to our inner guidance and a higher guidance. But if you aren't used to doing that, it's just that you have to start doing it somehow. So it's just, it's like a muscle. You just want to keep practicing that intuition muscle and that self-trust muscle and it will grow and grow and grow. And with that will your your self-validation will grow as well. Beautiful. Yes, I agree. I found it very hard up until maybe a couple of years ago, maybe less, maybe a year ago, to 
gain as much from self-validation as I did from external validation. And I realized the reason I found it was it, I, the reason I found it so hard was because I never validated myself. I was always relying yeah. on someone to do it externally. Sometimes you don't notice it and then you kind of feel like you're always searching for something. And, and what I also speak about in it's all good is part of me finding not finding, but like reminding myself of the fact that I can validate myself was that I had to stop looking for external validation because I felt like I wasn't getting it. And if you feel like you're not getting it, then the next step is to look within because it just felt like it was a mirror to me. And what it was actually doing was helping me, not even that it was reflecting back what I was seeing, it was reflecting me it was, it was like pivoting me. So it's like, you don't see what you want there, turn around, look within. And again, it's something that same with surrender. It's not something that you do once and you like wash your hands of it and you say, cool, I've surrendered once I'm done. Or I've, I found my internal validation once I'm done. You continually do it. It's a process of reminding yourself of it and then embodying it and living it. And then there'll be times and situations where it comes up again. So for me, as I said, like a few months ago, surrendering to where I was was part of my my process of what I had to remind myself of and it might be that you go through a period where you feel like you are seeking external validation cons you know consistently or constantly and you're called to look within and it will feel easier and easier and easier and even a few days ago I had I was kind of talking to myself you know when you as you do and I said to myself <laughs> I just need to go within like it's just I just felt like I hadn't really had that time where it was just me, myself and I for a while. I'd been very busy and I went and I pulled a, um, I can't remember the deck that I used, but I pulled an Oracle card and it literally, one of the things in the reading said, it's time to go within. And I was like, yes, I just told myself that. So you'll start to see these synchronicities. Yeah. The more you, you the more you listen and the more you're in alignment, these synchronicities will pop up for you and you just have to be aware of them because otherwise you miss them. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you shared you shared with us um, that in the lead up to this book being published and the lead up of your book tour, which is coming up, that you yeah. had to learn some of these lessons again. Yeah. Can you can you um, share with us how that kind of surfaced for you? Yeah. So let me think about this. Okay. So if I had to uh, kind of summarize the main things that I came up against uh, when I went through the first iteration of this surrendering, it was feeling like uh, having an impact in my work and in my business. And I also should say, and I said this in the book, all, even though this experience came through a business failure, you don't need to be running your own business to go through something like this or to pick yourself up after failure or change uh, and kind of head into that uncertain ground. So I should just say that in case people listening are like, but I don't have a business. It's it's life stuff as well. So it was feeling like I wasn't having an impact. Uh, it was feeling there was financial pressure because I'd invested so much in this project and I was being so hard on myself. And I also think one of the biggest things for me was that I was being really insular in my view. So I wasn't seeing the bigger picture. And I was looking at things on a really minute level and like picking them apart and just being really incredibly hard on myself. And then it came up in a similar way before, you know, like months before the book came out, I, I was feeling financially pressured. I was feeling like I wasn't sure if I was doing the right thing, not even the right thing. I just wasn't sure if I was 
meant to be staying in my business, if that makes sense. Like I didn't know if there was something else I should be bringing in or letting go. And I felt, again, like my work wasn't having an impact. And also, again, looking too small at everything and not allowing myself to step back and see the higher perspective that would actually allow me to see that everything was okay. And even more than okay, everything was actually happening for my highest good. And again, it was a process of allowing myself to step back and see that, trusting that what I was going through, A, wasn't my fault. Like, I think we often think that because we, you know, it's said in the personal development world, oh, your thoughts always manifest into form. And yes, but no, like it doesn't always happen that what you think will happen. Like, I thought I was going to win the lottery last week. No joke. I was like, I'm totally winning this. And I didn't. But I thought thought I was going to win a house. Did you? Yeah, I thought the same thing, but I haven't checked my ticket yet. So stay tuned. Well, I didn't buy, I bought one of like, you you win a house. And I fully thought I had won this house and I didn't. But so like you, our thoughts will then affect our energy and our intention and our attitude and our actions. But I don't believe that everything we think we make true because, uh, you know, I have a friend who's a psychologist and she said, what about, I said to her once, what about negative thoughts that you don't want to think that pop into your head? And she said, oh, they're called intrusive thoughts. Like it's a thing that you have negative thoughts. It doesn't mean you're creating that as your reality. Um, So I had to realize that what I was going through wasn't of my own doing and not to not take responsibility for where I was, but just to not blame myself for being there. And that was a huge thing for me. And especially when I went through the first great surrender, I had to, my body was trying to help me process and heal what I was going through and particularly heal any feelings of guilt or grief or regret about where I was and thinking that I hadn't done enough or I hadn't done the right thing or, you know, all these thoughts that swirl through one's head through a failure. And I had two, I got two chest infections in the space of, uh, of just a couple of months. And we think energetically of what the lungs represent in traditional Chinese medicine, they represent, uh, you know, firstly allowing yourself to receive and hold and then let go. So financially, uh, if you can't breathe in properly, which is what I was experiencing through having asthma anyway, and then having two chest infections, that's affecting your ability to receive money. You can't hold your breath easily. That's, you know, affecting your ability to hold money, uh, you know, as that goes. But also allowing yourself to to let go and to go with the flow and to release guilt, grief, and regret. And then in the chakra system, it's right where your heart is. So it's heart chakra of love and self-love and forgiveness and compassion. And there was so much of both of those sides going on for me. So I had to let my body do its healing work. And because I wasn't really forgiving myself for being there because I blamed myself, that's why I got sick twice, I think. Because my body was like, oh, we're not done. There's still more to clear. Help, let, let me do this. And so when I went this the second time around, I didn't get physically sick, which was wonderful. And I noticed it much faster. And I didn't blame myself for it. I initially still felt like I was not, uh, what's the word? I resisted letting go at the start, which is, what happens, I think, sometimes when I, when, when I, but also when we are called to surrender, we resist because surrendering can at times feel like letting go or, or like we are going to, things will fall to pieces if we surrender. And again and again, what I learn and have learned is that when we reach that point where we're like, I can either let go out of fear or, and like exhaustion or let go from a space of receiving and softness, when we let go with that receiving and softness 
and that reciprocity, it's probably a better word, that's when things actually fall into place. And it doesn't mean they fall into place instantly or on our timeline or in the way we thought, but it we allow things to happen without us feeling like, A, we are controlling it or B, that we are the only one responsible for it. So I want people to be able to walk away from this conversation um, and be able to apply some of the things we've been speaking about, but I don't yeah. want them to have to have failed <laughs> to be able to yes. apply okay. it. So how can we how can we apply this stuff like tonight? Okay, so what about for people who uh, either have gone through an experience or in a space now where they feel like there's something more for them to do or be or receive or like some new step for them to take? And they can't see it yet, so they maybe don't have that clarity yet. That's one thing that I talk about in the book and I went through myself. And also for people who maybe are working towards something and they're in that space between where they've set the goal and now they are working towards that dream coming true. So I guess those are, that's two different things. But firstly, what I think is so important is to there's always forgiveness work to do. So even if you haven't failed at something – is there something that you can forgive yourself for with like um, perfectionism or are you being difficult, like hard on yourself? Do you have high expectations around something? Are you pushing yourself and not allowing yourself to rest and restore and receive? Are you, whatever it is, there, there's something there that you can soften because surrender is about the, it, for me, it's it, stepping into that feminine flow, which doesn't mean you let go. That, you know, feminine energy is fierce and strong and powerful. So it's not, it's not about being lazy or lax or weak, which is what we can think. So that's the first thing. See, if there is something that you can, if there's compassion you can send to yourself or forgiveness work that you can do for yourself. And that could be as simple as journaling. It doesn't need to be, you know, yeah, it can be a really simple process. And then I think what's so nice is to work out how you can find your own version of momentum again for you. If you feel like you've either lost it or you're feeling like you're not taking action in a way that works for you or you are taking action but you feel far away from what you are wanting to bring in. And one way to do that is to embody how you want to be feeling already instead of feeling like, oh, you know, me feeling abundant or me feeling supported is so far away, that's so down the track. What can you do today to embody that within your life, whether it's taking action like the masculine or allowing yourself to sit in it and soften in it from the feminine, but there'll be something that you can do. Uh, and then you'll actually allow yourself to feel it now and it won't feel so far away. And also when you do get to the point where you have to really use it, when something hasn't turned out how you expected it to, you've already had a little practice at it. Exactly. Yeah. You'll be a, you'll be a pro. You'll be a pro. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, so you have not just a book tour coming up, but also part of that part of that tour is live workshops. Can you chat yes. us a little bit more about that? So the, I'll be running five workshops around Australia from mid-October, and there'll be a combination of working out, again, like as we said, working out like where you might be holding on to expectations or failures from the past. So doing a really thorough energetic clearing around that. Uh, and then really working towards, if there's something that you are wanting to work towards or receive or align to or manifest in your life, how can you do that in this, what I say, I call it like, 
it's just a way of doing it with a lot of that or something better around it. So releasing those expectations and allowing yourself to work towards what you want without being really hard on yourself, but also it's integrating all the energies and the lessons learned through your failure or your expectations or through things not going the way you want. So it's this combination that will really, uh, it's my intention that the workshops feel very supportive for those wanting to expand into a new direction or expanding their energy or up-leveling and working towards something that they are, that they feel is far away and really leaving feeling really positive and having that sense of trust that they can embody without feeling also like that is so far away. So it'll be a combination of energetic clearing and goal setting and, uh, yeah, and there'll also be chocolate, of course, and a free copy, well, an included copy of my book within the ticket and all these other bonuses that they get as well. But chocolate too. Chocolate too. <laughs> I'm in. You had me at chocolate. Um, what? One last question for you, Cass. What do you mm. think was the biggest lesson that you learnt from writing this particular book? So not the lessons that went into writing this book, but after writing this book, yeah. what's the biggest lesson you've gained from it? Do you oh, there's many, but I'll give you one, and it's actually a quote that I pulled from the book that is I've now printed on a postcard and it says you might have wounds to lick but the sorry I'll start again you might have wounds to lick but the scars will tell stories you'll want to remember so it's even though you might have gone through something that felt shitty or uncomfortable or out of alignment or really like a, a period where you felt like everything was contracting instead of expanding you'll actually want to remember part of that to help you move forward and yeah, I think that would probably be it because that really encompasses everything that I, A, learned, but also be lived. Yes. And I yeah. think that if people went back and had a look at some of their wounds and then the scars that they now have, they could apply that quote to all of them because we learn from all of our mistakes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, when you look, when you have a, an, a mis- when you make a mistake or you have an experience that you would classify as a failure, you can learn what you do want to do better next time and then you can learn what you don't want to do next time. There are so many elements. It's not just – so I used to think that – and I say this in the book. I used to think that that saying, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. I used to think that that meant try the same thing again. Now, you know, with this new knowledge you have, try it again. And what I've learned through this experience was is that it means try again, but try anything again. Just get back up. It doesn't matter – if you change your mind and in fact changing your mind is what you're allowed to do so it's really just about getting back up beautiful I love that um thank you so much for chatting to me on my podcast and also chatting to me in my social life too I enjoy that as well (laughs) thank you for having me on your podcast and in your life yeah no it is my pleasure (laughs) it's funny um I, Cassie wanted to do this interview in person, but I told her that we couldn't because I would just giggle the whole time. <laughs> so she needed to be on the other side of the computer, not sitting in front of me. But I've still giggled, so I don't know how well that went. All right, thank you again and good luck on your tour and I will see you at the Sydney event, if not before. Yes, try. Thanks, Melilla. I'll see you soon. I 
hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast. As I mentioned in the last episode, I'm taking this whole podcasting thing a little bit more easy breezy. So there's not necessarily going to be an episode up every week. So if you do want to stay on top of new episodes as they come out, the best thing you can do is subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. That way you'll get a little reminder that a new episode is live. If you want to hang out with me in the meantime, the best place to catch me is Instagram. And I've got a new handle. It is now at Jordana Levine. That's with a J and two N's. And until next episode, I'm Jordana Levine, wishing you an inspirational week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>